Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are. We are. We are Cultivate. 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 We are Cultivate. Welcome back to Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly podcast hosted by me, Alex, where I rotate between true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you and more than likely what your IT department would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week, we are talking a little bit of a hybrid between true crime and folklore, and it's going to be very interesting, so you won't want to miss out. But before we dive into this week's topic or distraction, I do have a small little itty bitty tiny bit of housekeeping to talk about. As some of you know, Patreon payments have been paused for the month of June and will resume come July 1st. So if you're over on Patreon, please be advised, Patreon payments will resume back on July 1st. And if you're not on our Patreon and you want to consider joining our Patreon, now is probably the best time because you basically have access to everything for free. And let's say you join, you like what you're hearing, you like what you're seeing, stay on. If not, hop off, whatever floats your boat. But just a quick thank you to those that are supporting the show over on Patreon. You guys are the best and I will be shouting you out at the end of today's episode. Oh, and another quick housekeeping reminder or update, I guess, whatever you want to call it. I am going to be redoing some of the older episodes of Weird Distractions podcast. I haven't decided whether I am going to keep the original episodes that Christy and I did or if I'm going to completely yeet them off of our feed and completely do new ones. I'm I'm not really sure to be honest. If you have any suggestions or have any feedback, please let me know. But yeah, not really sure. What I do know is that I am planning to re-release our very first episode soon. So keep your eyes out for that coming out. And yeah, so that will be interesting to kind of look back at some of the older cases we talked about and just see if there's any updates since we released them. And plus, you know, the audio quality I think has gotten better since we first started. So hopefully it'll be a different experience especially for people tuning into the show for the first time. It will give you a different weird distractions experience than maybe when we first started when, you know, we had zero idea what we were doing. Speaking of having zero idea what's going on, my need for distraction is plot twist. I got dumped with work (laughs) last week and this week. So speaking of the weeks of June 13th and 20th and probably the week that this episode comes out and more than likely the week after that because all of a sudden we went from not knowing when my new role at work was going to start to oh hey you're supposed to be doing it right this second so my need for a distraction is the fact that I am trying very hard to keep my sanity when everything feels like a dumpster fire with my job Uh, as some of you may recall I have started a new role slash didn't really know what was going on and you know what I'm just gonna put a blanket statement out there probably won't know what's going on until 2023 because that's just how healthcare works but Regardless, that is my need for a distraction. If you want to hear your need for a distraction on an upcoming episode, send me a DM, 
send me an email, let me know what your need for distraction is, and I will read it on a future episode. With all of that said and done, I think it's time to get a little bit distracted. So let's get into it. I feel like June has been a very spooky month over here on the show, and to end the month off, I decided to cover another spooky location because, as a gentle reminder, I am a spooky bitch. So, this time we're going to talk about a spooky location within the United States because, you know, the United States is one spooky country. Get your backpacks, flashlights, and maps ready as we're going to be discussing the Bennington Triangle located within southwestern Vermont. Due to potential coarse language and adult themes discussed, listener discretion is advised. Now, perhaps most tuning into the show have heard of the Bermuda Triangle or even the Bridgewater Triangle, which for those who haven't listened yet, I did cover the Bridgewater Triangle back in March of this year, being 2022, to celebrate our 100th episode with Christy. I'm not gonna lie, I've never heard of the Bennington Triangle until this year, actually until a couple days before this episode came out when I was doing my research. But the weird occurrences associated with this area have been taking place since the 1940s. And when I say weird occurrences, I mean particularly unexplainable disappearances, which there have been a reported six disappearances based on the research I have discovered, but God knows there's probably more associated with this area. On top of this, there have also been reports of UFO activity, alleged Bigfoot sightings, according to the Legends of America website, Website. Before we dive into the reported disappearances and the weird sightings, I'm going to break down the reported area so that we know what we're working with geography-wise. That in a little bit of history. So the triangle has reportedly been described as encompassing the stretch of woodlands around the Glastonbury Mountain. This triangle also includes the towns of Bennington, hence the name, Woodford and Shaftesbury, as well as the ghost towns of Somerset and Glastonbury. According to the All That's Interesting website, the area of Glastonbury has been mostly left abandoned due to the end of the logging boom during the tail end of the 19th century. Due to this, a lot of the area has been not necessarily touched by humanity and more so by nature, meaning probably a lot of overgrown plants, trees, all of that kind of stuff surrounding the area. Now, the spookiness of this area has been discussed throughout generations, even prior to the string of disappearances and other reports. And a direct quote to reflect on this from the List First website, Quote, it's stated in a Joseph A. Citro's 1996 book, Passing Strange, True Tales of New England Hauntings and Horrors, that Native Americans refused to set foot on Glastonbury Mountain unless they were burying their dead. They believed that the whole mountain was cursed land because the four winds met there in an internal struggle. While most refer to this as a myth, there is some truth to it. The wind pattern on Glastonbury Mountain is so erratic that weather changes suddenly and plants grow at odd angles, end quote. I will get into some suspected theories as to why this area may be drenched in all things weird, but I wanted to bring this notion up prior just to acknowledge it early on. Also, to emphasize that it seems as though this place has always kind of been active in some way for one weird reason or another. We've covered some background, so now I think it's appropriate to shift gears and discuss the reported disappearances before we dive into all things weird and some theories. Now, the disappearances I'm going to talk about in 
today's episode are the most common that come up when researching the Bennington Triangle, but I'm sure there are more out there that I won't be necessarily discussing today. If there is one or two or more than that that I miss and you want me to cover on a future episode, please let me know. Feel free to send me an email or a DM. The first disappearance that I'm going to be discussing today is that of Mitty Rivers. Mitty's disappearance takes place in November of 1945. Mitty Rivers was a 74-year-old veteran hunter and fisherman who was out hunting with friends on November 12th of 1945. Accounts claim that Mitty was reportedly guiding a group of four other hunters that day, as Mitty was described by those that he knew as an expert of the area, hence why he was probably guiding them and leading the trip. The two of the four hunters I was able to identify were that of Hollis Armstrong and Mitty's son-in-law, Joe Lousen. As the hunting trip was apparently winding down for the day, Mitty allegedly got ahead of the other four members with him. I'm not sure if this was accidental, maybe the rest of the group was just kind of taking their time, or maybe Mitty wanted to see what was up ahead for some reason and purposefully walked ahead of the group. Nonetheless, at one point, the group realized that Mitty was no longer with them. In a direct quote from an archived news clipping I found online to explain the situation further, quote, Mitty Rivers, veteran hunter and fisherman who will be 75 years old next month, is lost in Brickford Hollow. Just off the long trail and up to noon time today, the lost hunter had not been located. The last time he was seen, as far as is known by relatives, was here by Hollis Armstrong of Safford Street, who met the hunter in the hollow about 4 p.m. Monday afternoon, end quote. Based on this news article clipping further, a group of folks went out Tuesday afternoon in order to try and locate Mitty. They reportedly searched and until 10 p.m., but seemingly continued on the next day when it was light out. Unfortunately, Mitty was never found. However, one piece of evidence would be discovered. According to reports, a single rifle cartridge, assumed to be from Mitty's supply, was found in a nearby stream. No one really knows why just one single rifle cartridge was found. It's possible that if, let's say, hypothetically, Mitty fell, maybe it slipped out of his ammunition bag or something to that nature, but regardless, we don't really know per se. Some have speculated that perhaps Mitty may have fell and hurt himself. I mean, there's a possibility that maybe he slipped, hit his head, become concussed, and then proceed to get lost in the forest. However, we don't really know what could have happened because we've never found his body, which makes it really hard to kind of come to terms with, okay, what happened? How did he get lost? Did he fall? Was he hurt? Did he, you know, die due to natural causes? Was it maybe something more nefarious? Unfortunately, we just don't have those answers, which has meant that this case has presumably gone cold for quite some time. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we're going to see this with a lot of the other disappearances. So the next to disappear within the Bennington Triangle area was 18-year-old student Paula Weldon. Paula, who was studying at Bennington College, reportedly decided to take a hike on the Long Trail on Sunday, December 1st of 1946, which is kind of eerie in my eyes because it's a year and a month-ish from when Mitty Rivers had disappeared, so keep that in mind. Supposedly, she told her roommate that she was going to take this hike, which her roommate would recount later, seeing Paula leave their dorm room wearing a noticeably red coat. However, Paula's roommate would never lay eyes on that coat or Paula again. In a direct quote from a All That's Interesting article to expand on what transpired next, quote, Weldon never showed up for her Monday class 
classes, spurring a massive search party of more than 1,000 people and a reward of $5,000. Despite the large turnout, numerous aircrafts utilized, and a variety of assisting law enforcement departments, no clues to her fate were ever discovered. End quote. Now, Paula's friends, family, and really the community came in hot towards criticizing the local police force regarding the handling of Paula's case. The chief complaint was that they had felt the local police force weren't necessarily using proper etiquette or advanced methods to find Paula. That, and there wasn't enough officers available to even look for Paula. According to reports, investigators from New York, Massachusetts, and Connecticut assisted in the investigation due to limited police services in Vermont at the time. Further, this potential tension may have been the catalyst in forming the Vermont State Police. Despite this potentially being a great move for the future, we still have to focus on kind of the negative here, which is Paula nor her body have ever been located. Paula's case, although presumably cold at this point, has been brought up since her disappearance numerous times. I did come across claims that apparently Paula's disappearance was the inspiration for Shirley Jackson's book, Hangs a Man, which according to Wikipedia, Shirley Jackson was actually living in Bennington, Vermont, and her husband at the time, Stanley Edgar Hyman, was employed at Bennington College, where, plot twist, Paula was attending. So a little eerie, little little reminder of how small the world is, and just very interesting to say the least, or weird, whichever way you want to put it. Next to disappear within the Bennington Triangle is 26-year-old Betty Frazier. And as always, my sincere apologies if I am mispronouncing anyone's last name as somebody with a very hard to say last name, I know the feeling and I just want to say sorry in advance. Betty was reported missing on May 5th of 1948 by her husband, Declan Fraser. According to Declan, Betty had been, quote, acting wild prior to her disappearance. It was the late 40s and I guess Declan was upset because Betty may have been drinking more than he thought she should. On May 5th, Betty reportedly walked to a local bar but never returned. And a direct quote from Wikipedia, quote, the last sighting of Betty was by a neighbor who reported seeing her walking unsteadily along Highway 30 in the general direction of Bennington, like she was in a trance, and that she ignored their offer for a ride home. Her body was discovered one month later and 17 miles away on a forest trail in West Dover, end quote. Although her death would be labeled as death by misadventure, due to where she was found and the circumstance of the situation, many have been suspicious as to to whether it was perhaps foul play. A year after Betty's disappearance, 68-year-old James E. Tedford seemingly vanished into thin air within the Bennington Triangle. On December 1st of 1949, James, who was a resident at the Bennington Seniors' Home, reportedly hopped on a bus returning home from visiting family in St. Albans. Eyewitness claims report seeing James get on the bus, sit down on the bus, and remain on the bus for some time. However, when James's stop in Bennington arrived, James was nowhere to be seen. No one on the bus watched him get off the bus during any of the stops, and after searching the bus, he was nowhere to be found. Strangely, his luggage was the only thing remaining on the bus, and to this day, no one knows what happened to James E. Tedford. Then, on October 12th of 1950, 8-year-old Paul Jepson from Shaft reportedly wandered away within a wooded area during an outing with his family. Reports claim that Paul had wandered nearby where his father had parked the family truck. The truck, weirdly enough, has been described as being parked near where Paula Weldon had been last seen, within the Bennington Triangle. 
Once Paul's father and family realized that Paul had wandered off, the search was on. During the search, which apparently included a canine crew, there had been multiple reports that the bloodhounds ended abruptly at one spot on the trail. This may suggest, and has led some theorists to believe, that Paul may have been abducted. Only a few days after Paul's disappearance on October 28th of 1950, 53-year-old Frida Langer would seemingly fall victim to the Triangle's weird borders. The story of Frida's disappearance starts off with her and several other family members camping in the woods near Glastonbury Mountain, according to an article by Jean Campbell. Frida and her cousin, Herbert, reportedly left the campsite to go for a hike near the Somerset Reservoir. Before the hike commenced, Frida apparently fell into a stream, becoming soaked. She asked Herbert to wait for her as she went to go get changed back at camp, which he agreed to do. However, his cousin never returned. In a direct quote from the Cool Interesting Stuff article, quote, After Herbert waited for a while and Frida didn't return, he also went back to the camp to see if everything was all right. It wasn't. Frida hadn't returned to the camp. Instead, she had seemingly disappeared in broad daylight in the short distance. Over the following weeks, there would be up to seven search parties, totaling 400 people trying to find Frida. In comparison to other disappearances, Frida would eventually be found. On May 12th of 1951, Frida's body was found near Somerset Reservoir, which reports claim that the area had been searched up and down previously. Unfortunately, due to the decomposition of Frida's body, there has been no cause of death determined, and if you could have guessed it, because of this, the case remains unsolved and without really any answers as to what happened to Frida within that short period of time when she was camping with her family. Lastly, 10-year-old Connie Smith has been sometimes associated with the chain of disappearances within the Bennington Triangle. On July 16th of 1952, Connie was documented as attending summer camp in the northwest corner of the area. Accounts claim that Connie may have left the camp and tried to hitchhike. Not sure where she was going, but she was trying to get somewhere. In a direct quote from the Front Page Detectives website, quote, she was walking along Vermont's main road at the time, occasionally striking her thumb out for a ride. As some listeners may have guessed it, Connie was never seen again after this. Now, there have been some suspects named regarding Connie's disappearance, speculating that it could have been an abduction. Some suspects include William Henry Redmond, Frederick Pope, and Jack Walker, according to a Register Citizen article. I personally didn't look into this case further after this. However, what I do know is that no charges have been formally laid. Therefore, from my understanding, Connie's case is still open and considered unsolved. As mentioned, Connie's case is the last case kind of lumped up all together with all of these disappearances. So now I'm going to shift and talk about some of the weird reports associated with the Bennington Triangle. As mentioned, there have been sightings of unexplainable phenomena within the triangle. For example, there have been Bigfoot sightings within the area. Although it's not certain as to whether this is the actual Bigfoot, which I know we've never talked about on Weird Distractions, but I feel as though if you're listening to this podcast, you more than than likely know what or who Bigfoot is. And if you don't, basically it's a cryptid creature that is supposedly bigger than a human, but looks like a human mixed with an ape and it's been around for God knows how long. So basically people think that they see Bigfoot in the Bennington Triangle. However, some simply call this weird entity within the Bennington Triangle, the Bennington Monster. The Bennington Monster was reportedly seen in the early 1800s by a group of folks who had pulled their stagecoach 
coach over during a rainstorm because, you know, they didn't have windshield wipers or anything like that. And they probably needed to see. So in a direct quote to explain this setting further by the Historic Mysteries website, quote, while they waited for the rain to stop, the driver noticed enormous footprints in the mud. He went to ask one of the passengers what he thought when the other passenger on board saw a large hairy creature that had no footwear. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can just imagine somebody in the 1800s being like, look, hath no footwear on that being or something crazy like that. But anyways, the quote further says, the beast pushed the coach over onto its side and ran away into the woods, end quote. I wonder if it was offended that I got called out for not wearing shoes. Regardless, it's hard to say whether this was some form of unknown creature or perhaps an unshaven human having a bad day. Either way, it's weird. Some say that the creature may have been an escaped prisoner by the name of Henry McDowell. Supposedly, Henry had drunkenly murdered another local Glastonbury man with a rock at a sawmill. He was sentenced to prison and, as mentioned, he escaped. After Henry had allegedly escaped, rumors spread that he was living in the wilderness in Bennington and Glastonbury towns. Could Henry really be the Bennington monster? Whether this is true or not, it's not the only creepy thing going on within the triangle. As mentioned in the introduction for this episode, there have been reports of UFO sightings along with paranormal activity and strange lights being seen. Now, I maybe should have just left those out because to be honest, when I try to do a deep dive into specific accounts within this area, I was left with nothing. What? It was almost as if people were sprinkling these statements without any backed up stories. So I'm going to flip it to listeners. If anyone is from Vermont or has visited this area and you have your own story, email it to me because I had a hell of a time finding the specific stories of, you know, the UFO sightings, of paranormal phenomena, and these lights. But I mean, that could just be that maybe they haven't been documented properly, or maybe I didn't see them in specific websites or what have you. But yeah, basically, despite not having the specifics, I think we could at least square up some theories as to what's going on within the Bennington Triangle. The first theory is the land may be cursed with a vortex or a portal. And for those who don't know, apparently they are different because to be honest, I thought they might be the same thing, but they are not. And a quick Google search will help you figure that one out. Similar to the Bridgewater and Bermuda Triangles, some believe that the Bennington Triangle is no different and possesses some kind of supernatural portal or even a vortex. Whenever we can't explain something peculiar, I find humans tend to lean on the unexplainable to try to, you know, explain the unexplainable. Which is fair since we can't explain what's going on in the Bennington Triangle. Based on what I read, people think that due to this vortex or portal, those who have disappeared within the Bennington Triangle may have fallen into it or at least become victim to it. Now, these were real people, so I don't want to put my eggs all in this basket as we are discussing tangible lost lives. Not only that, but I don't want to come across as disrespectful to those that have lost a loved one within this area to some weird out there theory. I am a big believer in the strange and unknown, but sometimes some people just go missing and it has nothing to do with portals or vortexes. Mind you, I did need to discuss this theory because it is one that's out there. But know that in the context of the disappearances, 
I mean no disrespect. Perhaps we could look at this theory in the same wavelength of conversation when discussing these alleged UFO sightings that there's no information about, or the paranormal phenomena that apparently takes place here, or even some of the other strange and unknown things that people are reportedly seeing and hearing and encountering when in the Bennington Triangle. On the flip side, this theory may also explain the random reports of the quote-unquote Bennington monster. Maybe if there is a portal or a vortex, maybe this monster came from another dimension and came into the Bennington Triangle and has now made it its home. It's, look, it's hard to say. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, nor am I an expert in this, but it could be something to kind of consider when discussing this area and why it is the way it is. I did want to circle back to the previously weird tidbit of information I shared regarding the land being cursed. If this land is cursed because of the Four Winds meeting based on the Native American folklore around it, hypothetically, maybe, and speaking abstractly, maybe that's what's causing this vortex. I know this is a kind of an out there thought and absolutely I can't prove it worth anything. But just something I thought of while doing the research for this week's case, and I'd figure I would put it out there to see if anyone else maybe thought the same or kind of get your thoughts on it. Now, the next potential theory is a little bit more tangible, but probably just as horrific, if not scarier. There have been some online theories that have suggested that those who have gone missing within the Bennington Triangle may have been a victim of a murder or a serial killer. It could explain the timeline in association with all the disappearances, as all of them seem to kind of take place within years of one another. Yes, Vermont was once the stomping grounds of serial killers such as Israel Keys, James Michael Han, and others. However, the disappearances we discussed took place long before those bastards disgrace the earth. There was one murderer named Donald DeMeg who was active around the time of some of the disappearances that took place within the triangle. However, from what I found online to see if maybe there is any connection, it seems as though Donald primarily roamed around the northern areas of Vermont. That, and I don't think that there has been any connection to him with the disappearances of the Bennington Triangle. I should also mention too that not every disappearance that we discussed today has been associated with potential foul play. Some cases more than others definitely have come across to potentially have something to do with maybe a murder or an abduction, whereas others not necessarily so much. Now the last theory is maybe one of the more natural theories regarding the disappearances, which is that potentially the people who have disappeared within the Bennington Triangle have succumbed to the nature around them. Maybe they fell on a slippery or unseen rock. Perhaps they fell into a nearby body of water. These are all speculations and potentials, but I find whenever we deal with a landscape full of forests, mountains, etc., away from civilization, this theory tends to come up. It's very probable that those who wandered deeper into the Bennington Triangle, specifically the Long Trail, where most of these disappearances seem to take place on, may have gotten lost or injured and then stuck within the woods 
forever without ever being found. Yet this doesn't explain how some people like Mitty Rivers, who were well versed in the area and, you know, borderline a survivalist, how they wouldn't have survived. I mean, to play devil's advocate, you'd think that somebody like Mitty, for example, would have been able to know what to do in that situation. And nonetheless, you'd think that at some point, someone would have found anyone's body. There were quite a bit of those that we discussed today whose bodies have still not yet been found. The whole nature theory also doesn't necessarily explain the supernatural phenomena. However, I guess you could maybe, with a very, very small maybe, state that due to any running water or maybe any certain type of stone like limestone, as we previously discussed in episodes, maybe it is acting as an energy source for paranormal phenomena to happen, but this is just a big old stretch, so who knows. All right, now to summarize this week's distraction. After doing close to 120 episodes of Weird Distractions, I am amazed by how many pockets, or triangles, I guess, of weird phenomena are present all over the world. As mentioned earlier, there is the infamous Bermuda Triangle, the Bridgewater Triangle, and today's distraction, the Bennington Triangle. For those whose loved ones went missing in this area, I sincerely hope that someday there is some answer as to what happened to those that we discussed today. Yet, there may always be a never-ending cycle of mystery when it comes to this area. Were the disappearances at the hand of a nefarious act? Were they accidental? Or is it something related to an unexplainable occurrence? Is there any reason as to why there are strange things happening in this triangle? Is it due to a Native American folklore tale or due to maybe something more natural occurring? We may never truly know unless we continue to seek. If anyone listening has their own experiences within the Bennington Triangle, please send them my way. Your personal experiences at your discretion may be featured on a future Listener Distractions episode. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Sissy, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me A Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. 
As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.